heading to the grocery store? Oh my goodness, that could be completely overwhelming, especially when you had more than one kid. Right. I was going to say, yeah, it can be a handful with one toddler, but you went with at least three toddlers. I know that I went with, yeah, three kids under five at some point. So it can be a, a rodeo. Such a chaotic rodeo. But one of the things that has come out with Mom's on Call is our Toddler by Design app. And when you know their design, then we can start to use some really specific phrases for that grocery store trip. So can you help us kind of come up with some of those, Jennifer, for each design? So let's start off with social. If we have a social kid, what are some things that we can do to try and make that trip a little bit easier? Well, social kids... They're fantastic. They love the faces, the facial expressions. So the more animated that you are, the more facial expressions that you use as you pick out, you know, your vegetables, show them a bright yellow banana. And, you know, the sillier you are for those social kids, the better. It just keeps them engaged so they're not sitting in the seat of no attention for 45 minutes. Love that. Well, what about movement? You know, these movement kids, we can't have them running all over the grocery store. So are there some specific things we can help with our movement kids, even if we're just having to move those arms? Hey, look, this is transformational. Listen, if your kid is a movement kid, there is a no free roaming policy for the grocery store. I mean, it could double as your workout and getting groceries at the same time, but you really do neither of them well. So <laughs> if we just go in straight up, ready to go, we know there's a no free roaming policy, but we do engage their desire to move. Just like you said, Laura, with those little arms, you know, we can do a little Simon Says and a little, you know, dance party up and down the aisles. But if you pull the buggy up close to, you know, some of the produce and you can let them reach out and pick out that green bell pepper. Like, look, it may not be the best looking one in the bunch. It may not be the one that you wanted. And I just want to challenge you today not to put that one back to choose the pristine <laughs> one you had your eye on. Just let that be the one and let them toss that into the back of the buggy. Move on. All right. Well, um, that is great because we can do a little Simon Says, grab that green bell pepper. Um, what about an engineer and rule follower? I tend to consider these sometimes similar when we're heading to the grocery store. Are there specific things that we can do for those little engineer rule followers? Oh, yeah. They are really similar at the grocery store in so much as they love the process. They want to know how this goes in order and they want to kind of stay in order. And so it's really great because the grocery store is really set out for that. Like we all kind of have this little way that we like to navigate it, which parts we go to first and which we go to last. And, you know, we may be of that generation that was only supposed to shop the perimeter. That's where all the fresh foods are. However you like to do it, like keep that same path. Those rule followers and engineers love the predictability of that. And let them know. Let them know where you're going to go, when they get in the buggy, when you're going to the next section. Ask them what comes next. They love it. That is a great tip. And our touch kids, our touch kids, they can just be so, so, so sweet. And I think the grocery store, especially the produce section, is a great thing for our touch kids. 
grocery stores. And interestingly, like when you go to the, you know, nursery, the where you pick up your plants and stuff, this is a great place for touch kids to really be able to satisfy that urge to know how everything feels. So first of all, with the touch kids, when you have them in the buggy, remember to pat their leg, just kind of stroke their little leg while they're in that buggy. Let them know that human contact is going to be available and you're not completely distracted. And that keeps them there and keeps them happy so, so much longer. And then let them feel the outside of that kiwi. Let them feel the dimples of the orange. Even some of the little bags that make a crunchy noise, some of the like egg noodles come in a bag and it makes a crunchy noise and being able to squeeze that and make that crunch, it just interests them, stimulates them. It teaches them the things that fuel them and it can make the grocery store so much more fun and for you to get in and out without it being a chore. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the Moms on Call. They have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they're sharing their experiences as nurses, business owners, and moms with you, completely unfiltered. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. All right, Jennifer. So as much as we um, want to think that everybody just loves Moms on Call, that's not always the case. So I did a podcast here, I don't know, maybe a few months ago. And one of the questions from this podcaster was, how do you handle the naysayers or people who just don't believe in Mom's on Call? And I was like, well, you know, the only way that we handle that is with grace. Because you and I have always, from the very beginning, said we believe there isn't a right way or wrong way, that the way a family chooses is the right way, whatever that way is. That's why the tagline of our podcast is... The best decision is the the one one you you make. make. And I think that's so, so, so important. And it is. It's tough. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I think that when you reach out and partner with and touch and have sold as many books as, as you and I have and worked with as many families as we have, that there are some negative things that come with that and some negative comments. And I've always said, if somebody doesn't hate it, you're not doing it right. That's, that is true. (laughs) Do you remember when we would get those like feedback for the toddler seminars and it was like, oh, I just loved it. I loved it. I loved it. There's not one or two people that didn't like it. Like (laughs) we did something wrong. Yeah. That doesn't always make you feel better. Like, you know, it can hurt your feelings. It did. There in the beginning, when we first started kind of getting some reviews and stuff, and most of them were positive. When I say like 95% were fantastic. An unbelievable amount. <laughs> Didn't seem right how, how much of it was positive. But then there would be that one. And it hurt. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying the truth. There were some that were horrible and they were awful. And I'm like, oh, but wait, they don't know our hearts. They don't know. Wait, they took that the wrong way. And you want to try and understand and make sure that we try and explain ourselves. And you, I actually had one who left this horrible, horrible review and 
I, I sent her my information. I said, call me. I said, let's talk this out. And we had a great conversation. She was in Texas. And after about 30 minutes, she's like, oh my gosh, Laura, thank you. Because you changed my perspective. It's still hard. And I think, you know, what we have to always try to understand is that what we do isn't for everybody. It's not. I mean, some people are just more no routine at all and nurse their babies 24 hours a day, seven days a week till they go to college and it works for them and their family and their incredible parents. We will shout it from the rooftop that they are fabulous parents, but it's hard. I mean, don't we all feel that way sometimes? Like the negative that we just aren't getting everything right and everybody doesn't like us. <laughs> I just want to stomp my feet and pout sometimes. I think that's normal. I love how attached you are. The lengths that you go to, just when God puts it on your heart, you really do. Like you engage and make friends with the people who may have originally misunderstood or just had a bad, like we deal with on the daily, a really desperate, tired, exhausted um, population. And so, yeah, that does get to you. And sometimes it's just some of it is a cry for help. Like, I don't want to know there's another way to do this. I have sacrificed every part of me and you can hear that in them, that, you know, this is coming from a person who is hurt. They're at the end of their rope. These are cries for acknowledgement and, mm. um, you know, they, they want to be seen and heard. And so I think there is an element there that, you know, where they're able to kind of write that down. And sometimes we see it and we go, you know what, this person might just need a little extra love or time or attention. And we do our best to try and engage that in any way that we feel is going to be helpful overall. And that is, you know, our heart. Always been our heart. Yeah. But we've said uh, like always, 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 even people who do what we do. There's other people who have come up with different sleep training, you know, methods and whatever. And, um, you know, people will be like, oh, that's the competition. And we're like, no, we're never in competition with people who are trying to be helpful to parents in any way. That's not our competition. Those are people who are with us in a fight to ensure that households are running in ways that serve them best and serve them in the way that they, you know, want the structure that they want to get from here to there. If it's unsustainable and somebody else is speaking into that in helpful, positive ways that build parents up more power to them. Yes, please <laughs> join in and, and yes. walk that out with those families because we're all different. Our family situations are different. Our belief systems are different. We're in different seasons of our life. You know, we really want people to find what works for them and their families at that particular season. And again, we always go back to one of our sayings, Jennifer, which is we're going to parent out of truth. And the truth is any of us that are listening to this podcast, we love our kids. Yes. Period. <laughs> yes. You know, we love our kids. So whether you've got one kid or you've adopted three kids or, you know, in my own house, I nursed and I did bottles and, you know, I mean, I've been all over the place. And whether you're a, if I get more than about five minutes off routine, my life is crazy or a, just a, hey, we're going to fly by the seat of our pants because that's kind of how this house rolls, you know. I think that if we could just all agree that at least here, in this space, 
that we all love our families, even if we're doing things a little bit different, right? And we can support each other, even if it's different. We can be kind to each other, even if it's different. And that's really, I think, what a lot of those things indicate is somebody needs a little extra kindness and understanding. And we have loads of that to give. The Moms on Call community in general. Oh, my gosh. On Insta, on all of the – and whenever we talk to, you know, business people or, you know, marketing people are coming up and they're always like, we're just so amazed at how these people behave. And you guys are literally the kindest, most appreciative. Laura and I cannot thank you enough because overwhelmingly to the point where it is hard to believe. We have emails and all types of DMs and people start out, thank you so much. You can listen when people call into the podcast. Getting to hear the impact of that and how you speak to each other. You know, we have that whole family where the sisters were talking to each other and helping each other, you know, follow the mom's on-call guidelines and answer each other's questions. We really, really are in a really unique space with you guys. And you guys are a huge part of that. And you help us to love on the people who need it. And you help to set that perspective. So, you know, it's not something that Laura and I do alone. No. Uh, we do it together with an incredible community of parents who understood and understand and also embrace these feelings towards other people, positive or negative. Right. And, you know, and I think that so many times, and maybe not even in just parenting, I think that in just all aspects of life, that if somebody is doing things differently or believe different things or that oh, well then, you know, there's friction there. And it just doesn't have to be that way. How can we love each other and show that kindness and show respect to each other right in the middle of the differences in the way that we do things? Like, I don't always blow my yard the right way, you know? (laughs) Oh, the guy that lives across the street from me, though, seems to know when I'm podcasting. Always. (laughs) And yeah, you hear that blower in the background is a beautiful yard I get to like, I was like, yep, yep, they know I'm here. Yeah, I want us to figure out or to be aware, I guess, is that, you know, how can we do this thing called life with those that may or may not think the same way as we do in in all kinds of different areas. Well, I think it takes incredible courage and kindness and also an understanding of where you are. You know, we don't always have the capacity to take responsibility for some of other people's reactions. So there are seasons in life where you just have to be like, nope, delete, delete, delete. Like, (laughs) I can't go there. Like, I am just holding on for dear life here. I just can't go there. And we want to give you permission for that. Sometimes it's a matter of cutting off some of those negative influences that are really tapping out the limited energy that you have, especially as a parent. So you have permission for that. And then there are those times, like we didn't engage every person who said, you know, maybe I don't like this. There's certain times like it just it's laid on your heart and then you move forward and have the capacity to do that in ways that seek kindness and seek what's best for another person and trying to see them where they are. But I think that exists already in so many of the clients and so many of the people that we have interacted with. Yeah, it's already in there. 
And that is what they would have. You can't control how somebody might respond to that, (laughs) but you can control how you behave. That's true. And I love that our differences can really make us more connected. You know, I think of, you know, just in our homes, the differences that we've done from nursing to bottles to both to we've delivered naturally or epidurals or had C-sections or, you know, we've had kids in public school. We've had kids in private school. We've homeschooled. We've worked outside the house. We've definitely worked inside the house. We've worked all hours a night. You know, I mean, that's just, just in our own homes. And that's just different seasons of life that those things are done. And how can we look at those differences and embrace them? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. Can we do that? And the, the answer is yes. I think we can. And it's not that we're going to do things perfectly. It's not that I'm going to not say something I shouldn't have said or have to ask for forgiveness or grace myself, you know. But I think maybe just being aware and just having those reminders that it's okay for us to do things differently. It's okay for people to not agree with us all the time and to everybody to be on the same exact page doing the same exact things. I will say that there are times in life that you have to have two or three people that are like-minded in your parenting styles, you know, because you do sometimes need those two or three people that are kind of in that same position. That you can lean into, yeah, in those specific ways. And then it's also important to see how beautiful families who do it differently can be in finding the really good treasures in, in that. Yeah, that is so true. And so I often think, look, we're all just doing the best that we can. And on some days, we're like knocking it out the ballpark. We're like, yes, high five in this thing. is We are rocking it. And then there's other days, like my friend who texted me today saying, you know what? I don't feel like I'm doing anything right. And we all have those days. We're all all of those people at certain times. Man, sometimes minute to minute, right? Right. right. I think part of it, I remember getting an email And one of the prospective clients wanted to know, like, how I could help her with her. You know, she really was an attachment parent, and she wanted to know how I could help her. And, you know, I said, you know, I am not an expert in that, but there are experts in that. So my recommendation is we may not be the best fit, but I want the best for you. So if that's what you're looking for, like maybe you will look over in this direction and something changes or you feel like that you would like to kind of do a bit more moms on call style, then that's what I'm the expert in. And that's where I'll really be able to offer you the best support and direction. And I think it surprises people when they get that. But, you know, just recognizing, I think a lot of it is self-awareness, recognizing the beauty and the differences, and also recognizing when you don't have the capacity to take responsibility for some other people's disappointment sometimes as a parent. All of those are okay. Our friends at Mission Mighty Me have been making it deliciously simple to include peanuts in baby's diet. As the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends with their proactive peanut puffs. And now they've made it super simple to include tree nuts too. 
with their proactive nut butter puffs with peanuts and tree nuts. They turn peanuts, almonds, cashews, hazelnuts, and walnuts into a yummy quick-dissolve puff that melts in little mouths. Mighty Me Puffs are a safe and delicious way to follow new feeding recommendations for introducing common food allergens to babies and toddlers. And keeping them in the diet regularly and Mission Mighty Me was founded by the very pediatric allergist whose research formed the new guidelines. How cool is that? Proactive puffs from Mission Mighty Me make it deliciously simple to feed your little one peanuts and tree nuts. And big kids love them too. Visit MissionMightyMe.com to learn more and use Mom's on Call 20 for 20% off your first order. As a part of the Moms on Call online classes, we put a little extra something in there for you, which are moments episodes where we get to talk to some of the people that are creating and doing things that serve and are of interest to parents of babies and toddlers. We got to talk to a really fascinating pediatric ENT, Dr. Stephen Gowdy, And he introduced us to something that we love called the NoseBot. It is a portable, rechargeable electric nasal aspirator with hospital-grade suction. And it's got this really unique nose piece design. And it's recommended by pediatricians, pediatric ENTs. And we have used it. And some of the Moms on Call team has used it. And we really, really are proud to recommend it. So you can go to www.drnosebest.com and use offer code MOMSONCALL for $25 off the NoseBot nasal aspirator. That's www.drnosebest.com with offer code MOMSONCALL. Now you should always consult your healthcare provider concerning when and how often to use this nasal aspiration and pop on over to your mom's on call online class. And you can also watch the moments episode where we interview the creator of the NoseBot. Our goal at mom's on call is to serve. We want to make new parents feel less alone in their journey of raising beautiful human beings. If you have questions, please ask. We are here to help. You can reach us at 888-234-7979, or you can find us on Instagram at Moms on Call. Leave us a voicemail or send us a question, and we'll try to answer it here on this show. Hey, moms. My name is Lindsay, and I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I have an eight, almost nine-month-old little girl, and she struggles during naps sometimes. After, you know, that 30, 45 minutes when she wakes up, she is awake and crying, 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 standing up in her crib, um, not settling down at all, even if I wait, you know, the 20 minutes. And even if I try to go in there and soothe her, it seems to just wound her up even more. I mean, I leave the lights off. I have um, the sound machine going. I'll try to snuggle with her, and it just she just wants to stand on me and be super active, and there's no going back to sleep, it seems. So we have our whole schedule thrown off, and just any other suggestions or tips you guys 
might have, I'd really, really appreciate it. And I enjoy listening to your podcast. Thanks so much. So Lindsay, naps are always just tough. And sometimes when we're trying to have too many of those, we just can't make it through the day sometimes. So let's break it down and let's try to focus on two nap opportunities a day. And when we have two nap opportunities, then we tend to kind of step back and let them work through that. It could take how many days, Jennifer, for naps to get somewhat better? (laughs) What number starts with N, just like naps? It's nine, nine days, nine of the longest, most frustrating days where you want to turn back. But we need to try and be as consistent as reality will allow. We need to give her that nap opportunity, a time where she can work through that 20 to 30 minutes of what we call kind of twilight sleep. So make sure that there's natural light coming in the room. Make sure we're using the right sound machine. Try keeping her up just a little bit longer. Maybe she just needs a little more active time. Get her put down. When she wakes at that 45-minute mark, do your best to not engage. Just stay out. We want to stay out until you're within 30 minutes of the next feed time. At that point, you could go in and do some low-key snuggle time if needed. But otherwise, let's try and stay out of the room and just focus on two. If we focus on two naps a day, then we may can get through those long, long, how many days, Jennifer? Nine. Hi, moms. Thank you so much for all you've done for new moms like me. I was completely reliant on your book, and my husband and I really enjoyed your videos for the first six months. Really taught us everything we needed to know. Sorry, I didn't tell you who I was. This is Rebecca from Texas. I have a question about my now five-month-old. I have returned to work, and even though prior to that I was exclusively nursing, since going back to work and he's at home with a nanny, there are at least two feedings a day that she is giving him instead of me nursing. And those are done with bottles, obviously. I have noticed that my supply has gone down significantly during this time. I think it's probably a combination of factors from him now eating some solid food, him drinking more when I am nursing. Um, Maybe that's causing my supply to go down. Obviously, me being gone, too. So, I'm just curious if you have any feedback on things I can do to increase my supply during this time. I am still pumping when I'm at the office and have been just so disappointed coming home from work with so much less milk than I ever thought. And there's a lot of information out there about what you can do to increase your supply. So I'd love to know your opinion on that. Thanks again. Rebecca, I wish you could see. Laura and I can see each other. And as you're going through the different options, our heads are nodding yes or no. So the fact that he's eating more, no, that's not affecting it. That he's taking a bit more at the other feedings, no, that's not it either. But you did on the last one. Ding, ding, ding. The primary things that really affect the breast milk supply are stress, just being out, being away, you know, managing all the new schedule, going back to work. And the pump, unfortunately, is just not as effective as a baby. And even the best kind of pump isn't. I remember going back to work at the pediatrician's office and I had to pump in one of the physician's offices. I put a little 
note on the outside whenever I would do that. We had a lot of, you know, women who worked there. So it, it wasn't necessarily, you know, this unusual thing to happen. However, unexpectedly, he did walk in in the middle of humping at some time. There's all kinds of things that happen at work. Um, luckily, he's a pediatrician and a doctor. We were fine. But um, we just want to tell you that, yeah, there are a lot of factors at play here, yes. But there are also some really effective things that we can do. And we want to help you just to relax and recognize that he is going to get the things that he needs one way or another. And Rebecca, so one of the things that... I want you to know is that it's not unusual for you to not have as much once you're back to work. Look, we're looking for 24 ounces a day at the most, or at the least, if we can get that 24 ounces a day. That's what we're looking for. Wait, Laura, is it the most or is it the least? least. I don't know. (laughs) It's the least. Yeah, the minimum. That's right. The minimum of 24 (laughs) ounces, although I will say that Rebecca, once I was kind of doing exclusively pumping there for a bit, my goal, because my body kind of dictated what I was doing, I was doing everything right. I was eating, I was drinking, I was pumping and making sure that the phalanges were the right size. And, you know, so I was doing all the right things, but I couldn't pump what I could pump, it seemed like, you know, two months ago. So my goal was 50%. If I could pump 50% of what they needed a day, then I felt like it was worth it until I just chose to not do it. So kind of set some goals for yourself so that you can take off the pressure. Sometimes when we take that pressure off, that helps so much. That is a good point. Yes, there is a lot of pressure. If if you're pumping 50% of, of what that little one's taken, excellent. Keep doing that. Power pumping on occasion will help once or twice a day. And that's where you kind of pump for 20 minutes and stop for 10 and pump for 10 and stop for 10. And you kind of do that over an hour long period. I don't have an hour to pump. I just, it hurt. It, like, oh my that gosh. Was so much action there. I just, yeah. It was a lot. <laughs> but that will sometimes help if you want to do, and there's a couple of different ways to do those power pumps. So you could look that up. Um, but you can do that for one or two days. And sometimes that will help increase that supply. But taking some of that pressure off and really just saying, you know what, I'm going to pump. I'm going to try and be as consistent as reality will allow. I'm going to eat well, I'm going to drink well, and you know what? I'm going to get what I get. And sometimes when you take that pressure off, your body responds to that quite well. Hi, Moms on Call. My name is Ashley, and I'm from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I have a 12-week-old little girl who unfortunately has been in the hospital for the last week with RSV. Before this, she was sleeping 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. with a middle-of-the-night feed that she'd go right back down for. We were just getting ready to drop the swaddle and that night feed and let her, you know, kind of find that comfy spot, and then she got sick. So um, we're being sent home now, and she's she's on the mend. But my question is, when and how do I start the schedule back up again? Do I start with naps? Should I start with evenings? I'm just not sure how long I should let her cry before intervening now since she's been sick. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. Love you guys. Bye. 
Ashley, oh yeah, you know, it's a really difficult thing to have your baby get sick like that or have to be hospitalized. And so this is a really great question. And we like to walk that line. We like to walk a really balanced line. We're always going to take safety into account first, and we want to make sure that they're breathing comfortably. And sometimes too much crying really starts a coughing fit. And, you know, that's a good indication that we're not quite ready to hop back into the schedule yet. So we want to just kind of take those signals and cues. And there is going to be a time where that baby is breathing comfortably, everything is going well, and then we're going to hop right back into it. And you asked a really great question about timing. So do I start in the middle of the day? Do I start in the evening? Do I start with the nap? The best thing to do is to start in the morning and go ahead for a couple of days and just stick really closely to the routine. Once that crying is not really triggering significant coughing fits. If your specific issue wasn't addressed in this question and answer segment, you might be able to find the answer on our website, momsoncall.com. We're also on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you are still at a loss, you can leave us a message with your specific question. We might get to it in an upcoming episode of the show. Our phone number. 888-234-7979. The good stuff is how we end every single episode of our show. We want to leave you something that makes you feel good in your heart and soul and puts a smile on your face. So we look for stories that are going to do just that. We call it the good stuff. So Mama Linda, Dr. Tanya with New Frontiers Health Force, What they are doing over in Africa is incredible. And we love Mama Linda. We even have her head on a stick because she goes on vacation with us sometimes. That sounds horrible. (laughs) Wish she couldn't make it to our vacation. Okay, explain. So you put a paint stick and we put a big picture on the paint stick so that we could it looked like we were taking pictures with her because her face was the same size as our faces and we'd hold it and all of So her head was on a stick. <laughs> we put her head on <laughs> <a> <laughs> we, But we missed her because she had been coming to our summer little vacations for a few years in a row and she was back in Africa and couldn't make it home that year and we just missed her so much. And what they are doing, they have a clinic that just out in the the middle of pretty much nowhere. I mean, it's pretty isolated there and what they do for that community. And then Linda's Academy. Jennifer, I mean, we've watched that when it was 10 or 15 kids. And I think last year they had like 100 kids sign up. So It is just incredible what they're doing over there. Well, I hope that everybody has a person. My person is Mama Linda. And yes, she has a school where she's able to educate, especially the girls there in that area and in that community without an education. The the future can be really bleak for them. And so she went as a missionary there. She fell in love with this community, with the kids, and she started a school. It has been so incredibly successful. They have the clinic there and what they've been able to do is amazing. And Laura and I, part of what we do with our business is it's important for us to tithe 
from Moms on Call proper. And this is the thing. We know the people that are there. We see the pictures that are there. We know the hearts that are going in. We know the incredible impact that this is having. And that's one of the things that we do. And we get to love on and see you know, the ones that went over there that saw the need and just filled it in the most miraculous and wonderful ways. And one of the fun things is we always get to see on Facebook, they'll sometimes put up some of the babies that were born. And there, when babies are born, unlike here, they really have like a baggie full of instruments. And it's not a room or a private room or, you know, there's nothing like it is literally one bag of instruments is all that they have. If they can even get to a place where they could have a baby, you know, in the care of a doctor and Dr. Tanya's works with an entire staff there. But yes, the things that they have on their heart to be able to do in order to bring babies into the world really safely there, in order to serve this community. Sometimes they'll have, you know, people that are mauled by wild animals. And she's sewing somebody up after they got, you know, bitten or mauled by any number of roaming free animals. The pictures are incredible of what they get to show us. The one I think I've seen that impacted me the most is one that um, Mama Linda took, and it was of a lion. And it is just the lion's face. And she said, it just took her breath away to be that close. But she entitled that picture, Looking into the Eyes of the King. And he is like just so majestic. And it just, I mean, I just get goosebumps when I think about it. And I think about that that picture and I think about the power of God that propelled them to do this and to serve at that level and to go to an entire new culture and to an entire new place and be able to provide something valuable to, you know, this people, to be able to care for them in ways assimilating into that culture enough to have such an astounding impact. And that's something that's really, really close to our hearts. Us New Frontiers Health Force, they are doing amazing, amazing things. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. Please visit momsoncall.com for more resources to Thank help you parent Thank you so much for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. Not just survive. You've given us 30 minutes of journey. your time, and hopefully we have given you some knowledge, maybe put a smile on your face, maybe even brought a tear to your eye. It would help us out a lot if you told everyone you knew who could benefit from this show about us. That's the number one way that people discover new podcasts, word of mouth. And there is nothing more true about the Moms on Call community than word of mouth. It would also be helpful if you made sure that you're subscribed to the show. We appreciate you and we're glad you're here with us. 